0: Hi friends, welcome to the Ian Khan Show. My guest today is Dr. Jose Mori, MD. He's considered to be the first intergalactic doctor and is a leader in exponential technology innovation by leading multidisciplinary teams that sit at the epicenter of genetic intelligence, biotechnology, precision medicine, AI, and aerospace. Please welcome Dr. Jose Mori. Hi, welcome to the Ian Khan Show. Today, I have a special guest with me. And again, carrying on the series from Aftershock, I've got Dr. Jose Morey with me, and Dr. Jose Morey, MD, with me today. Incredible futurist, incredible insights on the future of medicine, the evolution of technology, evolution of artificial intelligence, and where we are headed over the next um, few decades um, into the future. Dr. Morey, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Ian. I really appreciate the time to be here.
0: Absolutely. It's been such a pleasure collaborating with, uh, with yourself and, and 50 other futurists uh, for Aftershock. Uh, your article uh, in, in Aftershock is, is incredible because it provides us insight on the, the evolution of medicine, the evolution of uh, disease and how you know, what can we see in the future. Tell us a little bit about your current work um, and we can, we can go from there.
1: Sure. So I currently am working primarily on artificial intelligence and future technologies and how those future technologies are going to be implemented in real world settings within healthcare, not just today, but into the future, and not just on Earth, but in space and beyond. So I work with multiple um, different institutions and enterprises uh, developing and working on the bleeding edge of these technologies, whether it's AI, biomechatronics, um, biomimicry. Uh, Quantum computing, all these things are going to play integral roles in how we diagnose disease, how we treat disease, uh, and hopefully how we prevent disease, not just in the developed world, uh, but in the entire world. AI and these future technologies will hopefully democratize medicine in a way that we've never seen before so that you don't have to worry about whether whether you are you know at man's greatest hospital in the U.S. or some other you know nationally known or internationally known facility, or whether you're in the middle of the country, or whether you're in whatever uh, place outside the U.S., if you will be able to get that high level care, that top level care wherever you are, uh, and reduce uh, the incidences of uh, medical uh, procedures that are failed, and also hopefully we get to the point where we can start predicting. The onset of disease. Right now, medicine is very reactionary, but these new technologies are going to get us to a place where we are actually being able to identify disease before it occurs and being able to stop it from even uh, evolving at all.
0: Absolutely, and you know, there's so much. Healthcare is something that touches everybody on the planet. I mean, everybody has healthcare associated with a uh, with them, and so I think it becomes very important to understand the future. You're also um, uh, you're also called as an intergalactic doctor. Tell us about that. How did that come about?
1: Yeah, um, that's a, it's a moniker I was given, and it's because I work on future technologies. Uh, I work on uh, all all sorts of things that really we're at a stage, and AfterShock is really the epitome of that. We're at a level right now where everything that we used to read about in books. Uh, everything that was imitated in art, now we're starting to see in life. And we've seen it over and over again, but I think now people have this collective understanding that science fiction is just kind of a prediction of where humanity is going to. Uh, all the things that we used to kind of aspire to, these new, you know, life, uh, on other planets, this infrastructure in space, uh, these being able to communicate with each other instantaneously, being able to, uh, move at, 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 faster than sound and maybe even someday faster or lighter instantaneously. These kinds of things, although they, they seem to us magical right now, but there's that old saying that anything that is so advanced scientifically, it's really akin to magic. And it's because I work on all these types of technologies, uh, whether it's in aerospace with, uh, with NASA or other international uh, space agencies, or whether it's with advanced uh, companies such as uh, IBM Watson or, or Google Cloud uh, or Yandex, I'm working on all these kinds of technologies and I happen to be a physician. Uh, so people just kind of started uh, calling me the doctor intergalactic as, as, uh, kind of referencing the fact that, you know, I'm an MD, but also working on these very futuristic types of technologies. So, uh, I, at first I, I thought it was kind of funny and, and laughed, but now it's kind of stuck. And so people are, yeah. people referring to me as it. So it's, I appreciate, I appreciate it.
0: I love it. I, that's incredible. You know, you mentioned something really cool, which is science fiction is kind of the precursor to the future. And, you know, we're, we're, we're living in the era today where um, a certain outbreak, whether it's the coronavirus, as an example, now is out there. It's on the news. It's affecting a lot of people. We don't know where it'll go, what will happen. But if you go back a few years, I think about seven or eight years, um, a, a Hollywood blockbuster called Contagion, yeah. Covered the exact same thing in a different way, but this is what it it's becoming now. And if you go back to Contagion and you watch it, it's the exact same story with uh, uh, with the virus right now. Uh, so you're bang on the on the on the dot that hey, science fiction can potentially be a precursor to the future. Where are we with respect to technology helping us address breakouts like this or diseases and uh, you know things like Ebola, uh, SARS? Of major outbreaks that can spread so fast.
1: Well, we're really starting to see the benefits of AI now more so than we have in the last 10 to 20 years. You know, artificial intelligence, deep, deep neural networks, all these concepts have been around with us for decades, right, basic computational algorithms can be dated back all the way uh, to the late 1800s with Ada Lovelace, the daughter of Lord Byron, and then you saw deep learning kind of mature through uh, Alan Turing and and so on and so forth over the decades. But it really wasn't perhaps until the last 20 or so years where we got to a large amount of uh, digitized data sets. Uh, The Affordable Care Act uh, helped kind of translate that, at least here in the U.S., uh, moving everything to an EMR so that you had digitized data. So you had this huge amount of digital data. And then obviously through the computer game industry, you started developing uh, graphic processing units that allowed you to be able to do the large computational Uh, mathematics that it was allowed for us to be able to start applying these AI applications but the thing is even though these were taught for many decades within universities and people had them in thought processes real world applications hadn't been implemented specifically in healthcare um, or population health metrics which is really what the 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 question that you're asking about and if you go back just a few years ago um, you saw that google's analytic engine uh, was starting to predict influenza outbreaks and it, it was starting to show it and be a little bit ahead of it. It was incorrect though in a lot of things where it was, where it was generating. Uh, but people saw, oh, you started starting to see a glimmer of the potential that AI had to be able to catch things just from basic things as searches and, and start bringing it up to people, you know, at the CDC, WHO, NIH, stuff like that. People that need to know these kinds of things before they occur, uh, or lo- other large government agencies outside the U.S. Um, But with the current outbreak, with the Wuhan strain of coronavirus, uh, there actually have been AI applications that have been predicting it uh, appropriately, both uh, for its onset, the speed of its progression, uh, and then actually where it was going to go based on travel. Uh, so you're, you're starting to see that. And even in my own research that I've done in the past, we've done, we've created algorithms, uh, to be able to predict nosocomial infections or hospital yeah. acquired infections within the hospital before they would occur and be able to track as to, you know, what was causing it. So AI now is starting, we're starting to get the benefits of it. And we see it in our own lives, right? You see it in, in your emails and your texts and your searches. It's predicting what you want before you want it, uh, because it's learning you. Uh, and it's gonna keep getting better. There's still, there's still factors that are slowing us down. There's still things, uh, boundaries. For the most part, even though we have these huge digitized data sets, uh, yeah. data sets weren't created to be machine learning. Uh, yeah. They weren't created to be able to be applied to AI. So a lot of these data sets tend to have dirty data that uh, isn't really re- ready for mainstream. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this still requires some segmentation, some work and some annotation. Uh, the other thing is, particularly in healthcare, is the fact that a lot of our data sets tend to be siloed. So you have data sets that are blocked from one another. Yeah. So that you can't really take advantage of what machine learning and AI can do if you don't really allow it access to the data to be interoperable. But these things have to be done um, you know. in time. There needs to be public-private partnerships to discuss you know, privacy issues, HIPAA compliance, things like that. But realistically, we need to start breaking down more barriers, uh, and we need to start really setting up regulations to, to have data sets that are not just huge and large, big data alone doesn't do it. It's actually big data that's ready machine learning that does it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a lot of this needs to be done and people, and that's what it's taught us the last 20 years, the first 10 there was a big hype cycle, right? And people were talking about, oh, what it can do, but really it taught us yes. what, what we didn't know, what we, what we weren't prepared for. And now we're starting to fix some of those problems and now new questions are coming up. Now, you know, medicine has been reactionary. For, since we started, since Hippocrates, right? So we've always been, if the bone was broken, we fix the bone, that's the kind of thing. We wait until something happens and then we act. But now with machine learning with AI, we're getting to the point that we don't have to do that. We're starting to create medicines and applications and actually uh, predict what's going to happen, that we can actually prevent it from even occurring. That's yeah. what we're starting to see. Those are the doors that are starting to be open. And that's really the magic of where we are now.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to read a, uh, a paragraph from from your article in the book that says the future of medicine will be measured by its ability to control the rate of change before the change has begun. And also with the help of AI, it's believed that worldwide health uh, disparities can be best combated well before the shock has had the opportunity to permanently uh, debilitate. And that's that's so profound, like we can predict what can happen, what possibly could be the 10 different ways you can stop an outbreak or the onset of a disease. And I think that's literally really the cutting edge of medicine. What about diseases such as um, conditions and diseases such as diabetes? Or, uh, and I'm not talking about nanobots right now, but, but how can we prevent diseases that are so common in the population today? Type 2 diabetes, so much uh, rise in type 2 diabetes. Uh, cancer different types of cancer? How can we work with these diseases, some of which don't have um, a cure yet? Uh, if you look at some forms of cancer, it doesn't have a cure because it's so fast, it's so rapid. Uh, what are your, your thoughts on that?
1: Well, the future of AI and the future of, of disease therapeutics and diagnostics is really, I wrote a Forbes article on this called Panomics. So the future is Panomics. So it's not just point-of-care medicine. That's really what we have now. We have a huge, robust amount of of point-of-care medicine, but we need to start integrating it with the genomics, which we have, you know, we have not too long ago finally sequenced the entire genome, but we need to start amassing these data sets, and they need to be well-curated data sets, and they need to be diverse data sets. They yeah. can't just be of one socioeconomic status or one ethnicity. It needs to be a good amalgamation of a swath of individuals. And you can start breaking them down to subcategorizing by region, by class, and things of that nature yeah. because yeah. That, those things do play a role in health to a certain degree. So, but you need to have these kind of things integrated. So you need the point of care. You need the genomics. But you need now the other things. It's the environmental factors. We see so much that environmental factors are such a huge player in the evolution yeah. of disease and in the maintenance of wellness right now yeah. we keep focusing disease 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 but really ai is going to get us to a point where we can focus on health care really maintaining people healthy preventing them from developing these things such as type 2 diabetes preventing helping them prevent things such as cancers but we need to be integrating all of these omics this panomic view because Right now, I'm a, I'm a physician. A patient comes to see me, I see them one day out of the year, but there are 365 days in the year and health and wellness continues. Yeah. It doesn't stop. And once you, once you get the disease, once you have type 2 diabetes, these, these are kinds of, these disease doesn't stop when the patient leaves my room. The yes. patient deals with this day in and day out every hour of every day. And all that data is valuable to be able to help to see how that disease evolves. And once we start acquiring those data sets, then AI can start Figuring out, all right, well, how is it? How is it that the disease is progressing? How does wellness go away? How does healthcare become debilitated over time? Whether it's hypertension, hyperlipidemia, you know, atherosclerosis, diabetes, cancer, how does it evolve? And then, all right, there are twenty mechanisms of action of how it evolves, depending on you know when you were born, what your ethnicity is, what your gender is, what your socioeconomic status is. If there are all these different variables, and then it is these two that are going to affect you Ian or is these three that will affect you Jose and then after the AI tells us that then it can start giving us ideas of how to ameliorate it all right well is it something in our in our environment that we need to mitigate is it the fact that hey if I live above a certain with my with my genetics with my background with everything I've gone through if I live at a certain altitude or if I live at a certain you know longitude uh, or latitude then I will prevent the onset of disease. It might be that simple. Or hey, you just eat, you know, this kind of berry. Or hey, if you take this medication that was that was with AI created to affect your particular protein fold and your particular epigenetics. If it's that, if it's that, then the AI can even create that. Not just create a drug or yeah. create a digital plan of action, uh, but even create a 3D printed model for how you would replace something that needs to be replaced or the medication itself so that you absorb it based on your specific physiology. So we're, we're moving from a one size fits all type of healthcare mm. to a precision medicine healthcare based yeah. on a panomic view of individuals that can hopefully prevent things like cancer, prevent things like diabetes uh, from ever occurring based on very specific granular data sets on each individual.
0: Yeah, uh, a couple of things stood out for me. One is, uh, you know, technology can can be less, um, in medicine especially, can be less invasive. And then you can have uh, something of, you know, interrupting these behavioral patterns that are making us unhealthy, for example. So that's, uh, you know, the Apple Watch or any other device that helps you do something. Variables could do this. Uh, change our behavior so that we're walking more we're not eating bad foods that are bad for us so that's incredible and i see an entire industry um arising to this challenge and and, and trying to uh, do something as a combination of hardware and technology and software put together there's also the aspect of personalized medicine as you said uh which which would customize a plan for an individual's body. How far are we from that being commercially available? How many years out do you think we are?
1: Hey, people are already starting to, to see that. Uh, there are companies that are already doing uh, precision medicine, 3D printed uh, pharmaceuticals, so that mm-hmm. it's based on your own physiology. And they're doing studies to see, all right, well, depending on the pH, mm-hmm. uh, depending on uh, how well you process certain things, how you, you can break it down. Because uh, right now, if you get sick or I get sick, let's say we get a pneumonia, we're going to be treated essentially with the same type of antibiotic, regardless of where you are, regardless of where I am. Um, you know, a little bit of differences perhaps on insurance, but for the most part, it's going to be the same. And the same thing if it was my mother or if it was you know my sister, it doesn't matter the fact that we might be different sexes or live in different places or different age groups, it, we're yep. going to be treated the same way. But we're not, I mean, everything affects every person differently. Uh, Why is medicine the same thing for everybody? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Uh, So yeah, uh, places are already starting to do that. And you're starting to see that in the nutritional space too. People are starting to do uh, genetics and genomics to see exactly what kind of diets are better for individuals. Um, We're still really at the infancy, even though we are already seeing that today, uh, it's still very, very soon. People, you know, 15, 20 years ago people were like, oh, machine learning AI yeah, is gonna fix everything. Well, no, it just taught us what we didn't know. And yeah, yeah. really, as physicians, we, there's still so much that we don't know about health and wellness. And so we are starting to learn that. And now we're starting to ask the right questions. And now we're starting to develop the new types of technologies to go back to wearables that will yeah. allow us to get the specific data sets that we need to be able to um, make these precision medicine models very granular. Down to the individual, down to the genomics down to yeah. the actual person, so and it, we're going to go beyond wearables we're going to start moving into implantables, people are already starting to play around with these kinds of things, and then in the IOT space, you know having health and wellness that is con- continual, continually around you with uh, you know it combining and integrating everything in your home that is uh, either helping you stay health uh, healthy and well uh, or at least, or pushing you to stay healthy and well. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Uh, in your article, you've also talked about the P6 model of medicine uh, that would work and, you know, AI being the cornerstone of that. Uh, what is the P6 model of medicine? So
1: P6 model is really going going through uh, a 360 degree view of the individual. And it really goes back uh, to that panomic view of the individual. So it's everything we've kind of discussed. It's yeah. the fact that you're, you're doing everything predictive, prescriptive, panomic, Uh, psychocognitive, you're looking at all of these aspects of an individual to be able to create specific healthcare uh, institutions or applications around an individual to be able to do precision diagnosis, uh, both from a diagnostic perspective, and then also precision therapeutics.
0: Do you think uh, with the advances that are being made in medicine, and hopefully, you know, looking at the positive side of would people have a longer, a more longevity, more a longer lifespan in the future? Is that something that would be an effect of all of this? Or would it kind of stay similar to where we are now, but people would have a better quality of life? What, what would you think is a, a I path that I think that'll... it's going to be
1: both. It's going to be both. I mean, we're starting to see a lot around uh, longevity medicine. Um, my, one of my colleagues, Dr. David Sinclair, uh, is, is very famous when it comes to this the longevity medicine with uh, a lot of the work that he's done in that space with NMN and NAD and uh, it's, it's a very popular thing right now and then we're start we're going to see that both actually we're going to see increase in lifespan and we're going to see increase in quality of life it doesn't right now we're very good especially in the US we're very good at keeping people alive for a very very long time we're we're very good at extending disease uh, but we're very bad at keeping people from getting the disease but AI is going to help us Uh, do both. AI is going to help us not only prevent the disease, but it's going to allow you to have a much healthier life for a much longer period of time. And at the end of the day, it will, you know, hopefully maybe even someday uh, allow us to be able to choose how we may not want to live anymore uh, and allow us to have many different options um, that we it's on our terms and on our time that we decide uh, when those things want to end.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm going to ask you the a, a last uh, question because we're, we're running out of time as well. Uh, one of our co-collaborators and uh, and a world-renowned futurist uh, Ray Kurzweil, uh, in his work, says that uh, you know in the next fifteen to twenty years, humanity might reach uh, something called an escape velocity for healthcare, where uh, you know the advent of nanobots, medicine, healthcare, AI, all of that would would completely change the way we live and we might end up living for a few hundred years Uh, but that's 10, 15, 20 years down the line with the way technology is evolving at more of an exponential pace. Do you see that as a possibility? Absolutely. Yeah, we can, we have an absolute
1: capability. There is nothing beyond the capability of man. There is nothing beyond the capability of what humans can do when they come together to work on something bigger than themselves. Absolutely.
0: Incredible. Incredible. Thank you so much. So here's Aftershock. This is, uh, I believe it's available on Amazon, but this is uh, a book where you've contributed and you and I are collaborating on this with 50 other people who have written incredible insights in this world's top 50 futurists. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us, Dr. Mori. We're going to pass this message on to our viewers, to the entire world from uh, two different channels, but thank you so much. We really, really appreciate your time. Thank you, Ian. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you so much. Hey friend, this is Ian Khan. If you liked what you saw on my video, then please subscribe to my YouTube channel and be inspired every single day with innovative content that keeps you fresh, updated, and ready for the future. For more information, also visit my website at iankhan.com.